All right, it's the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. It's 2017. And if you're like some of us at BA, New Year rolls around and you're all like, man, I'm going to bring my lunch to work. And you do it for about a week and then you just kind of stop because like, you just don't know what to bring. You got no ideas. But you know who does have ideas? Carl Lolly Music, our food director, and our senior designer, Elena Sullivan, who is one of those persons. You walk by her desk and she's got the cool ceramic bowl with grains and interesting vegetables and condiments. So I talked to Carla and Elena, get some ideas, some thoughts, some pointers on how to sort of up your lunch game at your desk. And then David Tamarkin, editor of Epicurious, joins us to talk about this cool new video series they made called The Answer is Cooking, about how you cook can make a positive impact on the environment, save energy, and all that good stuff. But right now, let's talk lunch al desco with Carla and Elena. All right, guys, I am a firm believer in the sort of artisanal desk lunch. I endorse it. We preach it in the magazine, and yet I never, ever do it myself. That's because you have a giant kitchen at your disposal, one flight below. That is true. We do have a test kitchen here at Bon Appetit. Um, but even at, I worked for 10 years at GQ, and I always liked the notion of sort of bringing a smart lunch, and I would see people who did it, and I was like, wow, they, they, they're so together, and they it looks healthy and it looks actually delicious and they have these cool little containers and yet I never could really figure it out. And yet here, Carla at Bon Appetit, I look at someone like Elena here and you are one of those persons who has it figured out. What's, what's, what's the secret? Um, I guess, yeah, I've gotten into the habit of bringing my lunch pretty much every day. And a lot of it I think is because I prepare myself the night before. So I cook dinner like almost every night that I'm home and um, I go into it knowing that I want to have leftovers for lunch, like without having to think in the morning. So I'll be cooking. I live alone, but I usually cook for four to six people. <laughs> and would you, would you have like a pop-up in your apartment or something? <laughs> I like, could. Every night you've got, got no, a party? No, I mean, go- not not every night because I'll usually... Wait, Carl, I'm going a question. Have you ever been invited to Elena's for dinner? Uh, no, but I feel that that viscerally I have been mm. there. Because I, I haven't, I haven't been invited, <laughs> I try and, and I think I've known her for three years. Or so. I don't know. Yeah, no, yeah. just go, 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 yeah. go ahead, keep going, yeah. keep going. It's cool. So yeah, so I, I cook a, a lot in um, anticipation of having leftovers, and I like to have like a base, whether it's mm. like a grain or you know, big batch of like lentils or sweet potatoes i'll roast like six at a time instead of just like one or yeah. two you mentioned that oh it seems like that's rule number one is yeah. make leftovers yeah leftovers shouldn't be a sad the the word leftover sounds like leftover can we rebrand wow. it yeah it's like um pre-made building block yes <laughs> preemptive something or others but you you make that great point we were emailing earlier about it's just as easy to roast six sweet potatoes yeah. as it is too. It takes like, the same amount of time, right? But then energy. you have all of this um, awesome stuff. It's almost like you're, think of it like a pantry. You will, you would keep a pantry stocked. You need to keep the fridge stocked too. Ooh, mm-hmm. I like that. Right? Your refrigerator pantry? It's like you're turning on the oven anyway, or you're, right. you're co- cooking on the stove and you might as well you know, save yourself some time. Right, so, you're, so you're running your pop-up over somewhere in Brooklyn. Um, I don't know if it's legal or not, but um, you're having friends over. You're saying, I'm going to make twice as much um, farro or quinoa tonight because I know tomorrow I can then bring it. Um, Carla, you also in Brooklyn, not running a pop-up, but running a family. 
Yeah, basically, it's not a pop-up. It's actually like a (laughs) 24-hour-a-day restaurant. Yes. Yeah. Do you, are you one of those, having kids and their schedule and just having to be more scheduled out, are you the type of person who is on, on like a Sunday, you sort of map out the week based on groceries or that sort of thing? Not really. No. No. And I have to say. That was the wrong answer. (laughs) I know. Well, that's why I'm like really interested in this. So, so because for the last 10 years, I've been packing a lunch for my roommates, my underage roommates who Mm. live with us. Um, And And often underappreciating, appreciative. Well, my kid is just like, whatever. They ruined our life and took all our money. And like, they have (sighs) high demands. I love the guys. (laughs) They're great. But anyway, this year. They're fun to live with. They're just kind of a pain (laughs) in the ass. Um, This year was the first year that both of them are eating at school. So it's been. That must have been amazing. Oh my God. Well, the mornings are like this incredible thing where you like. (laughs) You're like, I can read the paper. Well, I made pancakes today. For Cosmo, and I made... Uh, wait, wait, you made pancakes? I made like, pancakes wow. this morning, and I made um, a toad-in-the-hole for Leo, which was, I have to say, perfectly cooked. So it was really, so. really nice. But I think with that in mind, because we were packing the kid lunch, like, I couldn't deal with making my own yeah. my own lunch. But for them, it was the same thing. Like, you ha- we had to have the fridge stocked with also a variety of things, because there's a chance that... They'll decide when they open that up, like, eh, I'm not in the mood for that. So I always tried to have, like, three or four different things in the box. Oh, interesting in the rotations box. in your chill pantry. And they don't have a microwave yeah. for the school lunch stuff. So a lot of it started being, like, what will be good at room temperature? What might even be better? So then I was doing, like, quick pickle sort of carrots and stuff that if you ate them right away would just be carrots with a little lime juice and salt. But three hours later, they're really juicy and, like, the carrots Actually, have softened pickle. up and – like stuff like that. Well, so Elena, so all right, let's say give us put this into context. So let's say you have you have chickpeas and rice. Yeah. What would you then add to that? You'd come would you or do they come so, when they do they come to work together or do they come to work separately? Well, it depends. Like sometimes I'll have already kind of married them mm-hmm. the night before. Okay. Um so maybe they're already together. They hooked up at your pop-up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I'll kind of have a lot of like seasonal vegetables on hand and like whatever I've done with those, you know, whether it's, um, you know, spiced roasted carrots or um, some sauteed kale. Mm-hmm. Um, One thing I've noticed from looking at your Instagram feed where a lot of these dinners end up is that, and you said this the other day in a in a, another conversation we were having, your pantry is also kind of like a secret weapon. And Elena's always making these insane dressings Mm -hmm. that, you know, just sound bananas, like off the wall, but they'll have six or seven different things in them. But I feel like you go a lot to like a miso, lemon, sesame seed, maybe a nut in there. So there are these very sort of strongly flavored, you know, assertive because cold food needs that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's interesting. Like that's with cold food is that it loses its assertiveness and its saltiness and flavoring and that you do have to sort of wake it up. And I think so. Let's say you have chickpeas or lentils and rice. You might have some roasted vegetables or sauteed greens. What I always like doing, which I think Meryl Rothstein, one of our editors here does, and she's very good at lunch al desco, as we say, is then introducing some non-cooked elements in there. And Mm -hmm. whether it's fresh herb or maybe you have a chopped up cucumber or some sort of vegetable that is bright and crunchy and fresh. I love having like... um 
like some sauerkraut or a pickled thing because that like gives it kind of the like kimchi zing. or something. Yeah. yeah, love kimchi. Wakes it up. Yeah, and, and crunch. And, yeah, something for like crunch, like whether it's nuts or seeds. Um, and that's a good thing. And that's and I think what's interesting, like I said, with people who do this well, there is a base, but then there's some assemblage when you get to work. Like right. I said, if you're going to slice up a cucumber or you're going to add the mm-hmm. nuts or seeds, you add those a la minute, as we would say, mm-hmm. correct? Another thing I equate this to that I do do as a habit is uh, like plane food. Is follows Airplane a lot of Airplane or plane? Airplane. Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> Not just plane. Yeah. ordinary food. It's kind of no. bland. <laughs> um, airplane food I never eat on the plane, and it's a lot of the, a lot of the similar – Things, but even on an airplane, things are even flavors are even more muted. So um, even bringing a wedge of lemon, but not squeezing it until you open up that container or chopped herbs. I once did this, and I was like, even for me, this is ridiculous. But I put the chopped herbs in a little separate, um, those little snack size baggies, and like tucked that in the side of a grain salad. And then when I was on the plane, I like stirred the herbs in at the last minute and squoze the lemon over and it just you like You did not say squoze. I did. You've said that before on the podcast. I believe in the word squoze. Some people like it. Um and it Squozen. The not, new hit movie from <laughs> So I squeezed yes. the lemon over. But squoze just sounds I don't know. It's that better. sounds more it's mnemonic. No, it yeah. sounds more is it past perfect? It was squozen, mm. you know, sort of. Is that past? I think that's past. Maybe I don't know. It well, it wanted to be squozen. That's um, for sure. And it does. The people around you, whether your seatmate on the plane or I know all of your coworkers, Elena, <laughs> who sit on either side of you, they're, they'll like smell the fresh lemon and yeah. see the yeah. action going on and be like, ooh, I want I, that. I think that's great. I, I do think, and like I said, I have done these sort of lunch out desk go now and then, but like I said, I'm more just admire you guys. But I do think having that base, like let's say stewed chickpeas and some sort of like basmati rice, but then mm. when you get to work, you've got your fresh herbs, you've got some sort of seeds or nuts for crunch, maybe some cucumber for freshness, then that fresh lemon and maybe like a dab of like labna, some sort of yogurty, yeah. yeah. creamy thing Keep that's right. cold, yeah. you know. But speaking of cold, Carla, you were saying... You do not believe in the microwave. I just don't want to have to rely on the microwave. I don't own one, so I never think about it being available. Mm. And then I I like the idea of the food coming to the right temperature by it. So like, so bring so bring the, 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 the we keep on talking about chickpeas and rice, but we're just that's our that's our <laughs> our, our sort of model. But you bring that to work and do not refrigerate it yeah. when you get to work. Because have you ever seen one of the refrigerators in uh, those little kitchens? Yeah. They're disgusting. Does anyone, it every, everyone who's any of you listeners out there for you office people and like you know, you watch a movie Office Space and they all are kind of the same. And there's that person who's just standing in front of the microwave yeah. as it's going around in the little kitchenette and you're just like God, that is just like the picture of depressingness and like the smell there. That microwave has those yeah. weird baked in smells of a million bad leftover soups and stuff. And totally. Yeah, I just I just like to stay. I would away like from to those. Just, I would over, like to avoid it. Yeah, it yeah. just zaps out all of the all of your love that you put into. Totally. Yeah. The only time I use a microwave at work, and this is going to sound really insane, is when I'll microwave just a small amount of milk to put into my tea, so the tea isn't cold. That's all it's good for. That's the whole of the podcast. I hate when I get like a hot coffee. (laughs) I like whole milk in my coffee. We've talked about this on another podcast. And I like really strong coffee. Mm -hmm. But with a decent amount of milk to get it to like a 
kind of like a like a craft caramel sort of Whoever, color, you know. And if, I, but if you put too much cold whole milk, then the whole temperature drops down. Then halfway through your cup, it's cold. Your cu- coffee's not hot. So it's I always a major mi- league problem. Always microwave the, the milk. Uh, I agree with that. I also, well, yeah, we won't get into thermoses and stuff like that, but um, it, it's a it's a thing. Yeah, so, yeah. Zojirushi. That's the your Zojirushi. That's your. I, ne- all you I mean, listeners. you just never have to have a cold beverage ever again, unless you want it to be cold, in which case it will keep it cold. It knows. Would you use um, that for like things that you would want to have warm? Yeah, like a soup I, so, or so one of the, the things stew. that I've packed. As so just to explain, Zojirushi are these awesome Japanese thermoses that are all kind of cool designed and they close up real nice. And They're like completely airtight. They have a couple little gaskets, which people might find annoying because you have to take them off and clean them. But it is the secret to why they're absolutely leak proof. I've had mine fly out of my bag and fall on the <laughs> concrete and roll and like not a drip comes out. How do you spell it? Zoji Rushi. Z-O-J-I-R-U-S-H-I. And I mentioned them the other day. We were doing a Facebook Live about... Um, Test kitchen lunch, and we also they make they make kind of the best rice cookers. Mm. So, but they are great because they have a cold food. You can't call it a thermos because that's a brand yeah. name, but they have a cold food storage jar um, that I used, or hot food storage jar, whatever that I used a lot for for the kids because soup travels really well in them, and you can just make it hot at home, put it in that, and it will be hot later. No microwave, no spilling, and also. Um, my younger son loved oatmeal for lunch, which I felt really fine about because it was like whole grains and protein and That's good for interesting. Him. Like yeah. if you bring oatmeal to lunch, do you then give him a little fixings packet on the side to add or do you I add it before? I would I just never had a small enough jar. You just don't trust him. Well, if I gave him a larger amount of maple syrup than yeah. I was comfortable having him put in, like yeah. it forget it. He'll yeah. put he would literally drink it out of the thing. So what so would no, you what I would, would, what would you it. add to it? Um the usual, like milk. A little maple syrup. I always a lot of oats. He can mm-hmm. eat a whole cup uncooked, butter? which is like four. Sometimes a dab of butter oh, in you, there, you have to. and then I'll do, like yeah. float the milk on top so that when he gets there, he start he can start back up and it'll be nice. You ever yeah. bring? Wow. You ever bring You're porridge, Elena? You might want to think about it. I know. Well, savory I have porridge. It, savory porridge. I do it a lot for breakfast, and okay. so that'd be a little. Sometimes I bring the leftovers. Nice. What? Um, all right. So let's. All right. So you have the chill pantry, aka those sort of go-to ingredients that you keep in your fridge. Um, but do you also have a desk pantry? I have a pretty deep desk pantry. Let's, let's talk <laughs> like, about it. What's in my there? My pens get less real estate yeah. in it. <laughs> um, let's see. So I have things like a good salt and pepper just to like, you know, finish yeah. off. Lemons I always have. Honey, olive oil, um, vinegars, usually like apple cider vinegar or nice. rice vinegar. Um, then I have, nuts? I, have, I have nuts, dried fruit. Um, yeah, usually. What else? Do you um, have? Do you have any um, heat? Like anything spicy? Yes, I have either like Aleppo pepper or some togarashi mm. spice, Japanese, Japanese sprinkle. Yeah. yeah. You know, I used to do this. Uh, now I recall back at the old building at Forty Second Street um, when my assistant was Emil Stonic. Uh, those were the days. Uh, Emil was one of those guys who would bring his lunch a lot, and so. We had a bit more of a pantry set up, but having... He is also uh, someone who would eat like a can of sardines yes. outside yeah. of your Yeah, he office. was a little weird. I was going to yeah. joke. I... When I have done lunch at my desk, and I'll do it here sometimes, it's usually, I mean, it's like a, it's kind of a cheat. Like I will go into the test kitchen. Mm-hmm. I will take a cucumber, chop that up. I'll go to the cafeteria where they've got rice and peas or something, and then I'll grab a hard-boiled egg. Maybe steal some fresh herbs. And I'll kind of cobble something together, but it was right. nice. And I'll go upstairs, 
and I'll grab my mold and salt. I'll grab the good olive oil, drizzle that up, and it's then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is a tasty. Yeah, all of a sudden you're like, I just made something, yeah, which it, is sort of more fun than. I think one of the things about eating lunch at work is that you look forward to it. Especially there were there was a time in my life before children that I like did this. And I felt like if I packed lunch and brought it, all I was thinking about for the first half of the day was when I would get to eat lunch. And then you open it up and it's like over so fast. So actually making it an occasion, and this is something that a couple other staffers do, is to not have lunch al desco at the desco. So yes. like you go, you mix it together, and then get away from your desk actually. Like sit down and have that food like a human being you know um finding a spot you guys are good about getting outside i feel I, like yeah i love yeah going, i like to just pretend i'm having a picnic every which, day that i can which i think is a reason that people don't bring lunch is because that might be the one time in the day that you like get up from your chair and go outside and like yep. have a break mm -hmm. in the day and if you bring your lunch then you're like well now i'm just sitting here at my desk eating the food in front of the computer like go go somewhere I used to be better at that, and I need to sort of force myself. Yeah. Even if, even if it's like the conference room where you can actually yeah. eat with other people and have a conversation. It's right. Nice. Go sit um, at someone else's desk. What about <laughs> – I, I think, yeah. Like, wow, this is nice. Hey, I'm going to have my lunch with you today. Is that cool? What are you working on? Um, I think also the um, – the vessel is important. That mm -hmm. I I, do, I find it depressing if you're eating out of the container which you transported your lunch in. I like yeah. to transfer it to – be like Emma and I, we have some nice big – uh, sort of soup bowls or sometimes a plate. It's just nice to put it on something else. What What's your policy on that, Elena? Totally agree. I knew your feelings about that as well. I um, bet you have some beautiful ceramic sort of thing going on <laughs> I have on some bowls. I'm a big fan of eating out of bowls, so it kind of all – I either bring it in – I have some like kind of sturdier glass Tupperware type mm -hmm. containers um, or just deli containers mm -hmm. like the one you're drinking out of. Yes. Um, and But yeah, usually I'll – I have, you know, forks, spoons, chopsticks, a knife. Let's like, talk there's... chopsticks versus fork. Which, which one do you gravitate I, more towards? Well, I love chopsticks because they force me to, like, slow down mm. when I'm eating. But it totally depends on what you're eating, I right. think. Um, some things lend themselves better. There's nothing sadder than a plastic fork, I think. Oh, my God. I know. It's terrible. They're never big enough Gosh. either. I like, like, long, so long prongs on the fork yes. and... Yeah, and the, and the spoon's too small. Yeah. Everything is wrong about it. Oh, so I yeah, so I keep a a proper fork that I stole from the cafeteria in borrowed, my, but borrowed oh, from the was drawer. it from Uptown or I don't even know. Um, <laughs> I think you want a regular knife if you need it, but I think what I know Elena has when she cuts the lemons that she leaves out for nine days. <laughs> you need also you also need like a proper sharp knife. Yeah, I have a Leatherman in my in my Ooh. little kit. Elena, are you an Openel person? Yes, that's the one I have. Um just one of their I think it's the number 8 like pocket really simple. Um, and those are the cool they're French, right? Openel French. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those cool sort of picnic knives with the wood mm -hmm. handles that open up. Those are crazy sharp also. Yeah, they stay really sharp. Mm -hmm. um, they're carbon, I think. Mm -hmm. and they kind of lock into place. Mm -hmm. They scare me a little bit, especially like when certain art, you know, like Designers just leave them lying around, <laughs> open oh, yeah. up on a cutting board on their desk. I'm getting ready to cut the next thing. Yeah. I know it's cliche, but I still am a big fan of the hard-boiled egg. Not like the kind in the cafeteria, which they boil for 24 minutes and they're like chalky. Yeah. But if you get a good nine-minute egg. Yeah. You don't want to like, you don't want to, obviously you don't, I don't think you want a, like a ramen egg where it's all gelatinous, but it's just underdone. So they're still tender in the middle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I do think when, you know. Elena is making these lunches that she doesn't invite us 
to join her at. For, for the night before. Or either. She doesn't invite us for either. She doesn't ask <laughs> yeah. us to have lunch with her or she doesn't invite us to the pop-up. Um, but I do think, as you said, I think you need some sort of protein-y thing in there to Definitely. go with. Like, whether oh, it yeah. is a, a, just an egg that you slice up or, as you said, whether there's some chicken or smoked mm-hmm. salmon or something. I need something. Yeah. You do. Generally. And it keep, protein yeah. keeps you full longer yeah. also. Wait, so really? Yeah. Protein is mm-hmm. what satiates and fat too. So you need those things in your life every day. That is what will keep you full. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've also learned as I've, did I tell you I'm seeing a trainer these days. Yeah, you have mentioned it a few yeah. times. Mm-hmm. Can you tell? No. What? <laughs> really? I can tell because you have your gym bag with you. <laughs> oh, God. You guys are so beat. I mean, you look great in your suit the other day. I Thank think you. I noticed that. Anyways, well, that was because that was, was it was a nice it's suit. It's a pretty, yeah. pretty fresh suit. Um, but no, I mean, I and I realized, so Damien, my trainer, was like, I was telling him what my sort of diet routine was and he's like it's obvious but it's like you need to be eating more regularly instead of like you know big mm-hmm. yeah I was, I was not eating enough breakfast you know i was eating an egg but no carbs whatsoever so i basically by the time lunch rolled around yeah. i was starved and right. you don't want to be sort of botting them out because then you end up eating more than you should but also the thing with lunch is that you have a lunch but you don't want too big of a lunch because then you fall asleep at your desk right but then elena then all of a sudden it's like four o'clock and you're like I'm pretty. I'm kind of peckish right now, and the pop up doesn't open until 8 p.m. <laughs> so, what are you eating at 4 p.m.? Um, well, some things I didn't mention that were in my pantry still are like <laughs> how big <laughs> is this pantry? Is <laughs> like a jar of like tahini or Ooh. almond butter or something that I can um, spread on, or you know, spread on what crackers or like an apple or apple. Um, that's nice. Do you have a favorite cracker? You seem like a wasp really, person. Yeah, wasp like, crackers are so depressing. They're make, just like, hey, this is the driest, <laughs> most really unflavorful dry. cracker known yeah. to man, but they're good for you. You have to put like a whole avocado on yeah. them. To I like, feel like I'm in like some weird health, like resort sanatorium <laughs> up in the Alps that I had to like hike to. And then they give me wasa crackers after I burn 96,000 calories get in there. <laughs> uh, we like, were having a fight in the kitchen the other day with Rick Martinez because he... It was took a very hard position against rice cakes. I personally mm. love a rice cake. I like rice. Yeah, see I rice, rice cakes. Rice cakes. I think for that four p.m. Jones, um, yeah, they are not good. But if you put like <laughs> if you put, put something, put, on, yeah. But I get, we have like the organic natural peanut butter in there. I'll spread some of that on, and then I'll do the drizzle of honey, the a little sea salt. Got to do it, and like that sort of gets me yeah. through to dinner. Because again, you don't want to come home to. I'm, I feel like I'm a nutritionist here. I'm breaking it down for you guys. Yeah. You don't want to come home starving. No. Because yeah. then you eat too much dinner. Yeah, right. And then you pass out. Or that martini know. just goes straight to your head. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's well, that's a good thing. Um, anyways, yeah. So I think, yeah, eating sort of consistently. Um, well, wow. This is this is cool. Any, anything you're looking forward to in the in the winter months before we go, Elena, in terms of what you might bring, be bringing oh, to work? Oh, yeah. I love the fall and winter. I, don't, I love making um, like stewy dolls and um like chili yeah Yeah, um a lot of indian food and a lot of like root vegetables are going to be happening soon um we're heading into the frozen tundra and those are those are ones you'll just roast on a roasting pan with olive oil and salt or yeah with like some coconut oil and cinnamon yeah yeah it just those are super delicious and yeah all kinds of i I love kabocha squash love we had some kabocha the other day do we have a page in the magazine on kabocha do we do that or we do we we hold that page Yes. Is it October issue? I think, yeah. Is it October? Maybe it's November. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was October. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. we have it coming up on that um, in our healthy-ish issue. There's some steam, beautiful steamed 
uh, veggies and yeah. kabocha mm-hmm. steamed is so good. Oh, mm. to try yeah, that. it's like good I, texture. Um, mm-hmm. Elena, what's your Instagram handle so people can follow you? <laughs> it's Alasully, A L A S U L L Y. All right, and. Um, Pop up start at like what eight p.m. Get there at seven thirty. What time? You know, if people want to. Yeah, come. I mean, it depends on how late you guys hold me here. No. <laughs> you need the secret number to buy the yeah, tickets. There's a, exactly. There's a password. Thanks for listening, guys. Hope this inspired you to bring your own lunch to work. Uh, thank you, Carla, and thank you, Elena. Thanks, Adam. Ciao. All right, and now here is David Tamarkin from Epicurious talking about their new video series, The Answer is Cooking. Tamarkin, I did not know that the answer is cooking. No one told me. To everything. <laughs> not just to this, to everything. To everything. To all of life's... Happiness, mental health, physical health. That that's that's a whole other thing. That's another podcast. But you guys over at Epicurious are our sibling. Um, you did this cool video series called "The Answer Is Cooking" that you narrate and created, uh, and it's an animated series. It kind of reminds me so kind of almost like those like educational Saturday morning cartoons when we were growing up, like how okay. you, how you make a bill, things like that. You know, conjunction junction. What's your function? No, there's no singing in these. The idea actually was so. Well, how do we take something that's a little headier than we usually cover yeah. and get people to actually watch it um yeah how do you hard, make it you know, how, how do you make it fun yeah how do we make it fun exactly and i think they're really fun um and their short videos are they're how, about 60 how, seconds yeah um yeah you pack a lot of information into them and you did five of them each covering a topic uh sort of food environmentally sort of sensitive uh issues that we should all be more educated about, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, regardless of our dining habits or our political leanings or anything like that. Like, yeah, we should know what's going on in the world. Um, I thought they were really cool. They raised uh, a lot of thoughts and questions for me. Um, can we just kind of run through them? Yeah, and sure. Get your thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. The first one, water. We, yeah, we do use a ton of water in America, and you sort of boiled your <laughs> boil down uh, to making pasta. Yeah. Well, water is a it's such a tricky issue. And when I was researching this, you get into all sorts of things like um, the water you use versus the water you use sort of virtually. I mean, in things like when you buy beef, you're using all mm. sorts of water because of all the yeah. uh, water that went into the production of the beef. Um, I wanted to focus on something that you could see tangibly and really understand. Um, and that, that is that, like, for me, the, the, when I use water the most is when I'm boiling pasta. Yeah. Even your kid can understand. Like, just like, yeah. hey, you can fill up a pot this big or you can fill it up halfway. Yeah. And uh, there's so much pasta being made. It, it, this was a very striking statistic when I did the math that, you know, family four uses 100 gallons of water a, a year just on pasta alone, which is crazy. That's a lot of water. And I, I, I would not be surprised if it's even more than that. I think you in know? your household yeah. it is. <laughs> I mean... Bon Appetit loves pasta. Yeah. Uh, America loves pasta. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting. There was a piece that Harold McGee, food science guy, uh, very well-known author, um, did in the Times a few years ago about what is the minimal amount of water you can use to successfully boil pasta. Yeah. Uh, and he did his based on a pound. Usually it's about, they suggest four quarts of water for a pound. He did it, got down to a, two quarts, did it even one and a half quarts. 
And, you know, at some point, you, the pasta is literally sticking out of the water. So you've got to sort of resubmerge it and stuff. What, yeah. did, what did you find? Did you personally test it in terms of what works? Yeah, the Epicurious Test Kitchen, we tested it. And we did, you know, I'd read the McGee piece. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been sort of talked about. It comes up every few years. People want to try it. And what I think prevents people from really going in and saying, okay, just boil your pasta in two quarts of water, mm-hmm. is that people like Lydia Bastianich, who was quoted in that McGee piece, they're like, uh, you can do it, but it's not quite the same. You lose something texturally. You, you lose something um, flavor-wise. The pasta doesn't have the t- you know. Yeah, the- but that's also like an audio file saying if you don't have the $48,000 speakers and $5,000 turntable, you're not going to get the finer points of this music. And like, well, true, but the average person is not Lydia Bastianich, and the average family is not going to tell the difference. Right. Um, you can still make good pasta. Um I agree. I, I thought it was also interesting, you know, not only are you using half the amount of water to successfully boil pasta, you're also saving a lot of energy to bring that water to the boil. Right, exactly, which is, that's a really keen insight, which we did not put in the video, so you're just... Because you only had 60 seconds. Right, right. Uh, but that's that's very true. I mean, that uh, the energy consumption, you know, the kitchen is the main energy hub in every home, and 16% of all energy consumption in the country is... Uh, cooking related yeah. food related so it's a it's a big deal and that is a lot of energy and you also i mean look i'm talking to the home cook that wants to get dinner on the table faster and you're not just saving energy and saving water but you're saving time time exactly because you know? it takes a while for a and we cool. um you know i i when i make pasta at home it's usually for my wife and me so it's two of us uh and i have a small kind of i don't know i guess you'd call it a rice pot or whatever small size pot you make rice in um, not a big pasta pot. And I will often use that a lot for the pasta. And it's definitely the water to pasta ratio is tighter than Lydia would recommend. But what also I like about it, A, it boils quicker. B, the water itself gets starchier, which now we're always talking about, oh, when you're making mm-hmm. the pasta sauce, take a ladle of that pasta water and throw it in the pan. And it's get, it's a starchier, saltier water that then infuses your sauce with more flavor and viscosity. So I kind of like that byproduct of it. And that, I mean, that makes, I didn't, I didn't ever notice that. I don't actually yeah. make a lot of pasta in my house, but, um, cause I'm trying to eat protein to, you know, you guys can't see me, but I'm just full of muscle. You're smelt. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm so swole. That's a great point. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. You know, the ratio of starch to water is yeah, so yeah. much so, so, higher. Yeah. It makes a more flavorful pasta water. Yeah. So next video, and this is one that I ponder a lot at home, like even this morning when I was cleaning out my fridge before work, uh, is food waste. And I never... Because I, I feel like I always have leftovers where there's that half bag of greens or something that I never get around to using. And then they start going bad and I end up throwing them down the disposal. And I'm like, ah, what should I have done? Or I don't, I don't know. This one confounds me. It's, it's I feel like it's very trendy right now to talk about food waste. And it's what I think the home cook can be doing is to be looking at what restaurants do. Because mm-hmm. restaurants are so good at not wasting food because, you know to be viable they have to yeah, save I mean, that food and save that money that's their profit margin yeah. right there so um in terms of the greens gr- greens especially those like greens you get like in the clamshell those mm-hmm. are always that's like the toughest thing the first thing that goes bad and they yeah, get all yeah. slimy and stuff yeah Ugh. i mean, like i would just like take the thing the the greens you can salvage and saute them mm-hmm. i mean you can sa- people don't think about it. you can saute arugula involve heating them in some way yeah you know what's um, good anything with oil and garlic is usually good yeah yeah exactly and a, a hot oil, right you could just make a little 
warm your oil with the garlic in it and then pour it over the greens, wilt it, it'd be fine. That'd be good. We did a um a piece in Bon Appetit, I want to say last month, um, this pasta article, getting back to pasta, um, about sort of a clean out your fridge pesto sauce. Where, you know, maybe you're not using basil, but you have a bunch of other greens, you throw them in the blender with your pine nuts and parmesan and everything, and you can still make a you know, that sort of thing, yeah. which is cool. We focused on stems yeah. in the uh in the answers cooking because that's the thing. Stems being like parsley stems, cilantro stems. Kale stems, yeah. Swiss chard stems. I mean, stems are, you're always being told in recipes to discard the stems or, you know, people don't think that, you know, the cilantro stems have any flavor or any use. When you, they're hyper flavorful, you just don't want to chew on them. It's like, we're not well, cows. No, what's interesting though, but I was, I was talking to a chef about this um, and we were talking about cilantro versus parsley and she was saying that she takes the cilantro stems and minces them up really finely like you would chives mm-hmm. and then sprinkles those in a salad uh, well, for some nice flavor. And but I said, well, would you do the same with parsley? She said, not usually with parsley because parsley stems are thicker and chewier mm-hmm. than than cilantro. Mm-hmm. Um, but you which, can definitely blend the parsley stems into a pesto. Yeah. You, and what Cat uh, Sachs in our test kitchen did, which I thought was brilliant, is with kale stems, uh, she made a kale salad and she took the stems and she put them in the blender with honey and vinegar and oil and made this like kind of creamy dressing with it. Mm. So it, it's really it's really about blending it and just getting yeah. it to a to a good texture. The flavor is there. Um, although I I think what's interesting about food waste, well, I have a couple more questions. A, not wasting your ingredients at home. Um, takes effort and energy it's like you you save that chicken carcass so you then make chicken stock out of it um you use half those greens but then you make a pesto two nights later um that also implies that you're home cooking regularly um yeah it implies that you're cooking 90 yeah you're cooking 90 which you did which was what 30 meal three meals a day in a month yeah every day Right, I do it right. It, it right does it does imply that you're going to be home to use that yeah. stuff, and you have. And to I'll home. be honest with you, as like you know, Mr. New York guy, um, I I go out a lot, or order in, or come home late, and I'm not cooking every night. My wife is you know busy also, and like that's that's where a lot of my challenge comes from using those half used ingredients. Um, but I do think there's a lot of interesting ways to use those ingredients as long as you have uh, the time to do so. Well, uh, can I just, just point yeah. out one thing in that. The reason we cover food waste so much at Epicurious is because not it's not because we we think we're like an environmental magazine or anything. It's because when you think about food waste, you become a better cook. When you are yes. cognizant of it, you become nimbler and faster and more creative in the kitchen. And so my answer to someone who goes out to eat a lot and like you just said is well, as long as you know the things that in your pantry that preserve foods, salt, oil, sugar, the freezer you can you can work that out and so it's just about like just being just turning on that one little switch about just be paying a little bit more attention yeah and you become somebody who's like oh i can you know then you that might even like spark you going into like making kimchi and making you know making yeah, yeah. well to your point you became a, you become a more creative proactive cook and you know we've both written about things like parmesan broth you take all those old parmesan rinds and you make a broth out of that which is certainly great if you're a vegetarian and you have a substitute a very rich umami packed broth uh, that's a perfect sub for chicken stock okay we were just talking about this in in our meeting though do you eat the parmesan rind after you've boiled it 
uh, when it's all kind of gooey mm-hmm. and rubbery. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not. Is that like a thing? Is that like <laughs> yeah. eating like the at the bottom of the mezcal, eating the worm sort of thing? I think so. I mean, someone in my desk kitchen chops it up into and kind of dices it after that, and mix puts it back in the soup, and you get these kind of like little chewy, gooey <laughs> cheese like, things. It's like it's like um, Parmesan gummy bears. Yeah. Now I have accidentally, you know, taken the immersion blender, mm-hmm. forgot that the parm was in there yeah. and I was making a blended soup and blend accidentally blended it into huh. the soup and I'm still alive. Though. Yeah. So Okay. All right. I think I'm, it could be done, but yeah. I have advocates for it in my kitchen. Um speaking of blending, um this is one where you're gonna get some gruff from me. Uh the burger. You have a burger episode on the answer is cooking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Give it, <laughs> what the blend so this was all this was our issue about cows. Yeah. And cows are the literal worst i mean cows <laughs> are the worst cows i mean they take up so much land i mean forests cleared so that we can just put some cows on it take up so much water three times more water to produce beef than it than chicken the james beard foundation started a campaign uh, maybe a year or two ago about blended burgers or you know, taking the mushrooms or taking some sort of vegetable and doing half beef half uh vegetable and then thereby you're you know cutting the emissions and the water mm-hmm. used in land is in your burger and half. I think that's a great solution. I'm not telling you not to eat beef. Well, yeah. I mean, well, I guess the question is this because I mean, it's also interesting now as it dovetails with these times where there's so many good veggie burger options out there available at restaurants and everyone's sort of coming up with their cool version of a veggie burger and, and doing so pretty successfully. Um, and also, I think sometimes a lot of with the certain types of burgers, it's equally about, equally about the condiments in the toppings as it is a burger. Yeah. But in the Epi Test Kitchen, have what did you guys – what is that good ratio? What is that good mix that still makes a satisfying burger? Did you test some? Yeah, I think I think you really want to go for mushrooms because mm-hmm. mushrooms can kind of get that – Beefy, yeah, caramelized flavor, and you're and you're sautéing them, and you're adding. You can you know add Worcestershire to that. So what do you? So you, say you buy it. say you buy some button mushrooms, cremony mushrooms. Yeah, you and sauté them until they get kind of brown and caramelly with mm-hmm. some onions. Or, what I would do, I would yeah. I, I don't like dealing with prepping mushrooms, so I would just put it in the food processor like and blitz it a little bit just to get it chopped up. Uh-huh. Put it in with some onion or garlic, whatever you uh-huh. want. The Worcestershire, the you could use fish sauce, anything to add like a little yeah. more umami there, and then. Uh, Get that nice and caramelized, and then you just literally mix. Take your raw beef, let it cool. Yeah, let, like, let the mushrooms cool yeah. a little bit, and then mix it with the raw beef and make your patty. That's it. And and you know you could do it. Eat, yeah, and you blend could do it. With blend dirt. it throughout. You're not like filling the middle of the burger. No, no, you're yeah, not filling yeah. the middle. You're yeah. just you're treating the mushrooms as if it were ground beef. Yeah. Um. So I think that's you're gonna get the best results there. Mm-hmm. I mean, think of all the burgers you've had that have been topped with sautéed mushrooms. Okay, last. Video of from the Answer is Cooking series, um, which you mentioned earlier about energy and how much energy we consume in the kitchen, and is there a way to consume less? And obviously, if there's hundreds of millions of people in the United States and we each consume a little less, it adds up. Yeah, and that's the point with all of these. Mm-hmm. You're not going to save the earth by making one blended burger, you know. Um, but if it's, we all make blended burgers. Right. <laughs> now it will go viral and people, will, the earth will be saved. Uh, yeah, this one was my favorite one because, um, you know, we do a lot of preheating when we're um, cooking. We, pre, you know, we get these ovens up and we, yep. I, I, I'm so guilty of this. Whenever I'm baking anything, 
I'm, I turn it on first thing and it, I let it preheat for like 30 minutes. I mean, that's I'm killing. <laughs> while, I am the while, single. While you're taking a long hot shower. Yes. Yeah, so wasting right, all sorts I of water. I take a bath. Yeah. Then, I, then I shower after the bath and then I start yeah. taking. Um, so, you know, it's really about using small electric appliances yep. when you can. Slow cooker. I mean, I'm sort of feeling lately like i am very remiss in not having an instant pot in my kitchen or a uh Wait, know what, what's, what's an in, when you, what instant is that? pot what is that it's this uh appliance i believe it's from japan yeah i don't know uh but anyway it's a it's a it's a pressure electric uh, electric pressure cooker that also has a sauteing uh capacity hmm. and it's like got this cult uh audience like wow. this is it's a, it's a very cultural thing people I'm, love it and you can do everything i'm feeling pretty left out right now i feel left out too so anyway i feel like slow i feel like yeah. pressure cookers and slow cookers are very yes. hot they're, right now they're small they're efficient mm-hmm. um and there's lots of stuff you can do don't, i don't own either and so if i did i would be cutting my emissions in my we kitchen. um our uh food director carla lolly music is a big pressure cooker fan and she does beans in there and she has all sorts of stuff um she's constantly uh Praising the pressure cooker, um, you the mentioned beans it. are the beans are the main. Th- I mean, yeah. like you can do like beans, and apparently they come out incredibly yeah. creamy in, in sixteen cor- minutes. Yeah, or in a quarter like of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, rice cooker, the most efficient, best way to cook rice, and also you get better rice than you're ever going to get in a pot. Uh, you know, cultures that really use a lot of rice don't understand why anybody no. would not use a rice cooker. So. Two other things. Well, okay, one of the, oh, sorry, three other things. One is the hot water heater, which is now like everyone. I feel like everyone's got the the. Hot water oh, pitcher that you put on, yeah, put on Very the British. little on the on the disc that just you plug in, and mm-hmm. it's like at a rapid boil mm-hmm. in like a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, my I wife uses it every morning for tea and coffee and stuff. We have one here in the office. Um, I, I'm a big fan. I need to get one because I don't have one at the moment of the toaster oven because a lot of times I'm in your same boat where like I make I have like one child I'm making him some like chicken tenders and I'm heating mm-hmm. up the entire oven to 425 degrees mm-hmm. to put one little tray in there I'm like that's insane like yeah the amount of energy that's taking in time again it's time it's like you don't only take to heat a, a full-size oven to 425 you're like really it's like the little light I'm, I'm not there yet I haven't preheated it yet um my kids bouncing off the walls and wants dinner that's annoying um and then finally you mentioned uh, the broiler, which I'm a big mm. broiler guy. What, yeah. do, what, do we, what about broiling? Well, broiling, I mean, there's no preheating with the broiling because it's so, it's just instantly, the flame is there. It's a sealing of flame. So, right. So you, your food is so close to it, you don't need to preheat it. And it cooks very quickly. So, I mean, for little things like fish, yeah. Uh, I think we've done chicken cutlets in there, like kind of breaded. Fish is the best yep. thing. I think you do to put a little, actually, what I like to do is take any fish fillet, especially like like a salmon or something, mustard, something like creamy on top. It gets mm-hmm. a little half mm-hmm. creamy, half um, it gets a little crust on it. Chicken cutlets that have been breaded, you just like kind of flip them. Those are done in like what seven minutes, I think. You can do steak, but I'm not a big steak guy. My would mom, you broil well, your steak? No, yeah, yeah. But, well, growing up, um, my mom was a big broiler. She would do fish now and then, but she would always do like broiled lamb chops, um, broiled yeah, beef, for like, sure. Yeah, I and, mean. Like, for so that they, meat, if, really. especially if they're thin, you just want that intense heat that's going to get get the tops nice and crispy, and you flip them over, and you're done. Um, yeah, and I think there's yeah a lot of things like that. There, I think yeah, I mean, what's interesting about the answer is cooking is the answer is right there in front of you. Yeah, it's right. It is right there exactly. Well, I was just going to mention one thing for people who are not meat eaters. We do kind of thick eggplant steaks mm. in the broiler. We found yeah. that, and we kind of make we have a restaurant on the side for making like subs out of like a, kind of like a meaty vegetarian sub out of that. But vegetables, some vegetables are really good for the broiler too. Not all of them. 
All right, the answer is cooking. Check out the video series, a very cool animated video series that David narrates on Epicurious.com. Thanks, David. Thank you. This podcast has been brought to you by Carrie Polis, Emma Wurtzman, and Lily Sherman, with editing by Mitra Kaboli. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Grady's. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Plus, we're also offering a deal with our podcast listeners. Go to bonappetit.com slash gift to see what we have. Thanks for listening.